The following is a podcast where expert practitioners and thought leaders share their insights and advice. A big thank you to all of you out there, our listeners. If you have any feedback, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about on this podcast, drop me an email at insights at securitycompass.com. It's crucial to ensure that uh, the problems that are identified as part of the threat model, and most importantly, the activities that are identified as required, are then uh, inserted inside the backlog as work items, as uh, tasks, uh, as user stories, as uh, stuff that is tracked and then uh, implemented. Because otherwise, uh, the threat model remains uh, an exercise that is abstract, that doesn't provide uh, any value. You're listening to the Balancing Act podcast from Security Compass, your guide to going fast while staying safe in today's digital world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast of the Balancing Act from Security Compass. I'm your host, Altaz Vellani. When we mention threat modeling, what often comes to mind are data flow diagrams created during a security design process. After these diagrams are created and eventually hit the developer backlog, we discover even more insights that further evolve the security design. In this way, developers are crucial to an evolving threat model activity. Today's podcast will focus on all of you developers out there. Thank you immensely for the great job you're doing. You have to stay up to date on evolving tools, frameworks, design patterns, services, best practices, and so much more. Today, we're going to help you better understand what threat modeling is and how it intersects with your work. Joining me is Simone Kurzi, who is no stranger to our podcast. Welcome to the podcast today, Simone. Hi, thank you for having me. For our listeners who may not know you, Simone, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Of course. Uh, I'm Simone Curzi. I'm a principal consultant uh, from Microsoft Services. I've been with Microsoft for about 23 years now, uh, working on different uh, roles, uh, but uh, my main interest area is application security in general and threat modeling in particular. So uh, I work uh, routinely with the customers and uh, also internally uh, to uh, perform threat models to, and to assist in uh, securing solutions. That's amazing. Great job. And just keep up the good work on the security and the threat modeling side and I think for today's podcast, what, what I'd like us to do is talk about some questions that a developer might have related specifically to threat modeling. And uh, let's start off with just a very basic question, Simone. What is threat modeling? And are there different approaches to threat modeling? That's a great question. Now, defining threat modeling may be easy. It's a uh a process uh, to better understand uh, the security of the design of the system that is uh, under scrutiny, uh, 
and uh, to identify how that system may uh, become a target, uh, may suffer from attacks, uh, and what you can do uh, to reduce uh, the potential losses that you can face uh, due to those attacks. There are various ways to do that, uh, uh, really a lot of different uh, methodologies, but uh, essentially the core of all of them uh, is summarized by the threat modeling manifesto, which is uh, a, a summary of the main characteristics of uh, what threat modeling is. And in a nutshell, uh, threat model processes uh, have four different uh, phases that can be summarized by the four key questions. Uh, the first one is, what are we working on? Which is about understanding the system. And this is, from my point of view, the most important part of threat modeling. The second step is to identify what can go wrong. And that those are the so-called threats. How malicious actors can attack your system and can cause some damage to you or to your users and customers. The third step uh, is uh, what are we going to do about it? So it's about identifying activities that can be done to reduce uh, the severity uh, that is the impact uh, or the probability of uh, facing some compromise or facing losses due to those attacks. And finally, the fourth is about validation. Did we do a good enough job? So this is about having iterative processes. Typically, you will not do threat modeling once and then essentially forget it. But in particular, when you are having agile approaches, iterative approaches, you would do threat modeling multiple times during the life cycle of the solution to ensure that your view of the system is maintained actual and that you are addressing also the new uh, potential losses that, that could be um, defined, that could be a result of uh, changes in the design of the solution. Mm, interesting. And, and, you know, we... When we talk about threat modeling, historically, it's been in the realm of security practitioners. And here we are talking about threat modeling in a developer context. So let me ask, as a developer, someone might be thinking, isn't threat modeling an activity only for security practitioners? Why are we bringing developers into this? Any thoughts? Yes, there are different ways, again, to perform threat modeling. and. Currently, there is a strong uh, movement uh, to ensure that the threat modeling is simplified uh, and somewhat made more available also to other roles, not only to people with uh, strong security experience. Uh, a very important uh, idea, approach in that sense, uh, uh, is uh, the adoption of threat modeling as an activity, as a task, part of agile methodologies. So essentially the idea is that threat modeling should not be an exercise performed by a security expert in isolation. Instead, uh, 
you may have a security expert, but will the, the role of the security expert will be mostly to guide the process. And the process, uh, the responsibility for the process will be on the development team. And this includes not only the developers, but also the architects and also all the other uh, people in, the, in uh, the team. Of course, we are not talking about huge teams with hundreds of, of persons. We are talking about small agile teams where you have uh, four, five, six people working on a project. And the idea is to uh, devote some time, could be a couple of hours, three hours during uh, each sprint to perform, to analyze uh, the uh, a scenario, uh, a specific uh, a potential uh, attack or a specific uh, uh, subsystem of the solution, and then together analyze it and identify how that will be exploited and identify what can be done to mitigate the risk. So this is an approach that could definitely be applied in that scenario. Mm. You know, developers generally work with user stories or requirements. Can you talk a little bit, and I think you, you started to open up this conversation, what is the connection between my user stories or requirements, the coding activities I do, and the output from threat modeling as, as an activity? Uh, you know, threat modeling typically is a data flow diagram, but I work in user stories or requirements. How does that translation work? What's the connection between threat modeling and my, my requirements or stories? That's a great question. It opens a lot of uh, different uh, topics uh, to be, <laughs> to be <laughs> analyzed. The first one is uh, threat modeling is not a data flow diagram. The data flow diagram is nothing else than a way to represent our understanding of a system. So you may have different ways of representing that understanding. But uh, the understanding per se is just a part of the threat model. So you need to have uh, some form of uh, representation, could be even textual, could be an Excel file, could be whatever you want, uh, could be even a diagram done with, without a specific uh, visual language on uh, some uh, whiteboard uh, during a, a meeting. And that would have the intent of representing your understanding related to, to the system. So the, the idea is to leverage that understanding and then have a conversation related to how to address, uh, what are the potential problems, how to address that. But uh, as you said, uh, this is not uh, useful. Uh, per se, to the development process. Uh, what uh, is useful is to make actionable the activities that are identified as required during the threat model. So it's crucial to ensure that uh, the problems that are identified as part of the threat model, and most importantly, the activities that are identified as required, are then uh, inserted inside the backlog as work items, as uh, tasks, uh, as user stories, as uh, stuff that is tracked and then uh, implemented. Because otherwise, uh, 
The threat model remains uh, an exercise that is abstract that doesn't provide uh, any value. Mm -hmm. Will threat modeling make me a better developer? Well, a threat modeler, uh, yes. It may make you a better developer because uh, it's about uh, the mindset. Threat modeling is uh, first and foremost uh, a learning experience. If you start thinking as a threat modeler, if you start thinking about what can go wrong, you start also thinking, how can you develop defensively? How can you um, ensure that your solution is written in a way that is harder to compromise? It? And there are books also describing this sort of approach for developers. For instance, uh, you can uh, um, write uh, uh, your code uh, in a way that uh, defines, declares very clearly what you expect as uh, input. And then uh, you can validate uh, in, in a strong way what you achieve, what you get. And then you can reject anything that is not aligned with expectations. You can log uh, events, uh, create alerts when this happens. And this is already a great way uh, to protect your code and to ensure that uh, it's more protected against uh, potential attacks. Hmm. You know, as, as a developer, I may have come across this acronym called STRIDE. What is STRIDE? And does that help me as a developer or not? Yes. STRIDE uh, are, is two things, really. Uh, the first one uh, is uh, a, a, the way Microsoft uh, uses or perhaps used um, to uh, classify the various potential threats. Uh, uses or use it because it there are different ways also inside Microsoft to classify threats, and, and still Stride is, uh, remains one of them. It's an acronym, and uh, it uh, stands for spoofing, which is uh, when uh, authentication uh, is weak, and therefore you can have someone impersonating someone else. Uh, then there is tampering which happens when the integrity is at risk and therefore you can change uh, data that is transferred or where it is, for instance. Uh, then repudiation, which happens when uh, you can say, I didn't do that and uh, it's uh, not possible to demonstrate uh, otherwise. Uh, then uh, we have uh, um, information disclosure which is related to um, making information uh, that, that is uh, uh, sensitive, potentially available to people who should not have access to it. Denial of service, which is about availability. So when you limit the availability of the data and elevation of privilege, which is when you have uh, potentially some, some rights over the solution, but you can exploit some vulnerability or you can uh, abuse the system to get more rights than you should have. So this is essentially how the information is, has been categorized and uh, by extension, it has become also 
uh, a way to represent uh, the process Microsoft uses to perform uh, threat modeling. So when you were a stride uh, based uh, threat modeling or stride threat modeling, this is essentially the Microsoft approach uh, based on stride classification. Hmm. You know, as a developer, um, I often hear words like weakness or vulnerability sure. or attack. Uh, are these synonymous? Are they one thing, the same thing? What, what's the difference between these things as far as a developer is concerned? Well, uh, there are <laughs> various ways to classify uh, the um, uh, problems that you may face uh, or uh, the potential uh, ways uh, to exploit those uh, potential problems. One of the most uh, uh, important ways uh, is uh, to rely on uh, uh, the NIST classification um, definitions or uh, to MITRE definitions. And uh, essentially, in accordance with that, when you talk about vulnerabilities, you are talking about uh, bugs uh, or problems inside software that uh, can be exploited in some way. Weaknesses are essentially classification of those vulnerabilities. So if you have uh, a, a specific piece of software that has uh, a, a problem like uh, an elevation of privilege, vulnerability, so something that would allow you to get more rights than you should, that, that is a vulnerability in that software. But the elevation of privilege issues uh, is, uh, a, a, as a classification of the problem, is a weakness. And in fact, uh, there are a couple of uh, uh, databases for MITRE. Uh, this uh, CVE uh, is a database of uh, the various vulnerabilities that uh, you have in software, and uh, it uh, you typically see uh, the various vulnerabilities for software represented as a CVE code. And then there is this uh, database linked with the CWE, which is uh, uh, associated uh, to the weaknesses. So that, uh, that's the common weaknesses enumeration. So E stands for enumeration. And uh, then how those weaknesses, are those vulnerabilities used, abused, uh, that's the threat. So it's uh, how they can be exploited. And uh, sometimes you may have multiple vulnerabilities combined together to allow some form of exploitation. Those explo the, the way this, the, those vulnerabilities are exploited are called threat events. So that this could be some uh, uh, terms. Right. And, and what we'll do is we'll put some links to what you just mentioned, Simone, in the podcast sure. notes, and others can go in there and, and take a look further as well. Uh, again, assuming I'm a developer, will I need to learn a new tool in my DevOps pipeline in order to do threat modeling? Hopefully not. Uh, again, threat modeling is uh, typically done uh, with uh, uh, your analysis, you, with your ability to understand the system. This is the, the, main, the main topic, the main point. 
And uh, there are tools, of course, that uh, you can use to facilitate the analysis uh, and to uh, identify what are the potential problems. But uh, really, you don't need them necessarily. You can uh, use, you can do meetings and use a whiteboard to uh, simply track and uh, uh, understand the system and then identify the different problems. There are tools, though, uh, that can accelerate this activity and can uh, assist uh, uh, even using automation. But you need to understand that uh, automation typically allows uh, to introduce uh, uh, some knowledge related to the various services in a way that uh, is focused on, on each service as a single isolated uh, component. Sometimes uh, the better tools allow to identify, to analyze a, a, a subsystem, a service, uh, in, uh, and how it interacts uh, with its immediate uh, subsystems. But uh, it, typically, you do not have uh, an holistic approach, an holistic analysis to the overall system. So this means that uh, you can expect uh, from those systems uh, to have uh, an identification and analysis of uh, your solution, uh, uh, considering the, its components, but you cannot uh, understand, uh, you cannot get from those systems an analysis of your solution uh, from a, a wide point of view or considering the business angle to the solution, what the solution itself is trying to achieve and uh, how uh, that the, the system could be, could be exploited. This is uh, something that you can achieve only by understanding intimately the solution and then uh, uh, by analyzing it uh, using the threat modeling approach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, you you mentioned understanding of the system. We spoke earlier about the different knowledge bases that exist out there. Uh, now, as a developer, I hear a lot about security weaknesses, but I simply don't have the time to keep up with all of these weaknesses on top of everything else that I need to think about. How would you respond to that type of comment? Well, that's understandable. The, if you consider the, solu the solutions that uh, a developer is developing normally, uh, security is rarely factored in. In, in many projects, what I've seen is that uh, typically the focus is on functional aspects, and, and this is normal. We need to move beyond that. We need to understand that security is uh, an activity requiring some effort. If you develop a solution, you spend time ensuring that the availability is the one that is required by the solution itself to cover the scenario or the performance. You, you spend time, you invest, uh, you design the solution to be compliant with your requirements related to the performance. Why can't we do the same for security? Why cannot we 
uh, work to, towards uh, achieving the security of the solution. And this requires uh, to uh, analyze the solution, to design the solution to be secure. It requires to understand how it can be abused. It requires to design a monitoring infrastructure that is uh, based on the capabilities provided by the infrastructure that is used. If you, if you rely on the cloud service provider infrastructure, could be AWS, could be Azure, you would necessarily be, rely on um, auditing and monitoring infrastructure provided by the cloud service provider itself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, you may want to use uh, the capabilities as they are without uh, thinking that uh, you need to do stuff. It's not only about uh, enabling the capabilities provided by the infrastructure. Uh, you need also to consider your solution to factor that in. Let me give you an example about that. Uh, solutions like, for example, a web uh, application they typically handle information. The, uh, you have some input uh, information, uh, data, and then you process that data, that information. This information that you get is typically transparent to the infrastructure. The infrastructure is generic. It doesn't know anything about that. But your application must process the data. It should know what sort of information, what sort of uh, data in, is uh, received. So your application should know if uh, you expect to receive uh, a phone number uh, or a, a tax ID or something like that. And what is the structure of the information you receive? So it's your responsibility to include validation in your code to ensure that uh, this input you are receiving is uh, correct and then to do stuff if the input is not correct like raising an alert if you receive something that uh, it uh, doesn't sound right so in many cases i've seen this is not done and uh, the result is that uh, you get just part of uh, the understanding of the system so Bottom line to your question, yes, that's true. Uh, security is expensive and we wanted to use automation. We wanted to use mechanisms to cut the cost for security because security is a cost. It doesn't provide uh, value that is tangible. But uh, the value that it provides is that it uh, allows it to reduce the risk to it allows it to reduce the potential losses that can be seen as a result of a compromise of the solution so automation is a way to limit but uh, at the end of the day uh, what i think is that uh, you need to invest a little on security to have secure solutions mm -hmm. And you talked about the cross-functional nature of how threat modeling works as well. So I have one last question for you, Simone. 
Uh, what is your advice for me as a developer to stay current on threat modeling? Maybe I'm now interested uh, to embark on becoming a security champion, or I'd like to work better with my security team. So what advice would you offer me to stay current on just around this uh, threat modeling domain? Well, I can tell you what has worked for me, and it is get experience. So try to use the threat modeling approach um, as soon as possible and try to apply that to each engagement you work on every time, every day, not necessarily on your project as a developer only, but uh, you can apply threat modeling also on real life and other scenarios. Try to understand the systems, the scenarios, what you live, and what are the potential risks, what can go wrong, what you can do to prevent, detect, and respond to those risks. Apply that and learn by doing. This is uh, definitely the most important uh, uh, recommendation. Experience uh, uh, is uh, fundamental. And uh, another recommendation related to that uh, is to understand that everyone has uh, gone through the same process. So do not be scared when you start. You shall try and you will... Uh, make mistakes you will not be perfect but uh, you will still produce some value and the next time you will provide even more value so threat modeling is a continuous learning experience first and yeah. foremost it's a great great advice there and um, this has been a tremendous conversation simone thank you for sharing your thoughts your insights your expertise with our listeners and I just also want to thank you, all our listeners, for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, at Security Compass. You can follow us on LinkedIn. You can follow Simone on LinkedIn. You could go to his blog site as well. We will have the link available for you in the podcast notes. With that, I wish all of you a safe and a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of their organization.